Hello, book lovers, dear listeners. Welcome to the Little Pages League with me, Shanda Monteiro. This is the podcast where we meet with children's book authors. Now let's dive in backstage into the magic of storytelling. In this episode, I talk with Paula Kenchan, a children's book author with an adventurous Boston Terrier who does not bark when in distress. Are you ready? Let's meet Paula Kenchan. Hello. Welcome to the Little Pages League. Today I am talking with children's book author Paula Kenchan. Hello, Paula. How are you doing? I'm great. Happy to be here. Wonderful. I just decided to meet other children's authors and it felt right to just do it in conversation. So to start us off, tell me what sparked your interest in writing, especially for children? Growing up, I always had an affinity for writing little stories, especially as a young child. I was constantly making up my own little short stories. And I guess when I got older, I just was told that it's not a sustainable career. You have to find a real job. And so it was never something that I pursued until more recently, a couple of years ago, I was stuck in a job that I didn't enjoy anymore. And I was trying to come back to what are my passions? What do I love? And I had this memory of writing and how much I loved it as a kid. And what really sparked me starting my author career was a true event about my dog. (laughs) In February of 2022, he, he was accidentally locked out outside all night long and it rained all night so we didn't realize until the next morning that he was locked out and when we found him he was really cold and wet and we brought him inside and and warmed him with a bath and just we're thinking where was he all night because there was no shelter outside we have a little a table outside on our patio So he must have just stayed under there to stay dry. And so my partner and I looked at each other and just started to envision what could have happened, what animals could have visited him. Because on our property, we get bunnies. We have a cat that lives in the neighborhood. There's many different animals that come on our property at night. So we just kind of were fantasizing Who could he have met? Who could he have asked for help? And that's how we wrote the first children's book. So that was the big inspiration, was this true event. And so the dog does exist. Yes. And it's your pet. Yes. And you are on your second book. Correct, yeah. So we published the first book. And then um, I just finished writing the the second book, and it's finished with our editor. Can you tell us a bit about it, or is it a secret still? (laughs) (laughs) No, I can give you a teaser. We loved the idea of, so my dog's name is Zorro, 
And we loved the idea of him having accidental adventures. So that is the theme of kind of the book series. The first accidental adventure was because he was accidentally locked out. And then the second one was inspired by when the UPS truck comes and delivers packages. He sometimes runs to the truck and will put his paws up and look inside and, and sniff the truck. And so I thought, what if he accidentally jumped in the truck and nobody noticed and he fell inside a box and was shipped to another country? So in the second <laughs> book, <laughs> he falls That's inside the box. Sweet, such a sweet idea. Yeah. And he gets shipped to Argentina because that is a country that is very intriguing to me and I want to visit someday. And so he finds himself in Argentina and he needs to figure out how to get back home. And so he meets different animals that help him figure out how to do that. And will that be out soon? Well, the illustration process will take several months. So maybe by the end of the year or at the latest beginning of 2024. Okay. And you were telling me that during the pandemic, you realized that you wanted to review your yeah. life. And what work were you doing that wasn't satisfying to you? I'm a respiratory therapist. So I work with people in the hospital, people who have lung diseases or people who are on a breathing machine. I basically worked um, with a lot of COVID patients in the ICU who were on life support. And that was a really difficult time for all of us healthcare workers. And honestly, the burnout for me had begun before the pandemic. One to two years before, I just realized that it's really a lot to work with, especially at that time I was working mainly with um, children, children who were on a breathing machine, life support, lots of children who died, and it, it really took a toll and so I had to that, reassess what else can I do with my life. That's hard. Yeah. Little children. Yeah. So then you decided that you're going to pursue your passion from when you're younger. And on a day-to-day -day basis, what is your routine like? Do you write every day? How do you do it? I definitely don't write every day. It kind of comes and goes in, in seasons almost. Because the amount of text that goes into my picture books isn't very much. I think, well, it's more than many picture books, actually. I think we are at right around 1,100 words for our books, approximately. So I will write a story pretty quickly, maybe within an hour or two. I will write the whole story. And then there's a really long tweaking process, not really editing, but tweaking where I go through it over and over and I change things. I take sentences out. I change the structure of things. I'll always find words, especially descriptive words that I'll find like five substitutes. So that's, that's kind of a, a process that goes on for a few weeks until I'm happy with the story. And then I'll send it to my editor. And that's when that process starts. And then when the story is finished, I focus on so many other things that are publishing related, um, you know, communication with the illustrator. And then I'm currently focusing on 
trying to build a social media presence. So there's really so many other things besides writing that I'm currently focused on. And once I'm done with those things and I have a little break, I want to start writing book number three, but it definitely comes and goes in waves where I write a story and then I sit with it for several weeks or a couple months. Then I focus on all the other things um, in an author's life and then I go back to writing. And within that process, what do you find most challenging? What part of the process is the most difficult for you? Honestly, a lot of it because I'm so new to everything. So I'm just trying to learn what it is I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> and yeah, I, it's helped very much to connect with other authors. And I'm part of several Facebook groups where I'm every day I'm in the group, I'm reading the posts, I'm trying to learn what other people are doing. I recently learned about media kits before last week. I didn't even realize that's a thing. <laughs> oh, found it in a blog. And then the same day, I saw someone post about it on social media. And so now I'm working on creating a media kit. So there's always something new to do. <laughs> yes. Do you have your Goodreads sorted out? I just realized that I have neglected my Goodreads. I've created the account and everything, and I have a lot of books to put in, but I haven't really used it how it's meant to be used. Do you have Goodreads sorted out? N not 100%. I, I have an account. And I'm not even sure if there's a difference between a reader account and an author account, because when I first signed up, it was definitely a reader account. And I know that my book shows up on Goodreads and it has maybe four or five reviews, but I don't know anything beyond that. <laughs> I think they're different. That's what I, I will be investigating myself this week. I, I have the two accounts. H how much input into your life as an author does your family have? Like you have a child, don't you? He's 13 now, isn't he? 13, yeah. I have, oh, I, my fiance has um, three daughters. So I have three, three stepdaughters. Most of them are grown up. So two of them are in college, but his youngest is 14. So she comes um, and stays with us part of the time. But what exactly do you mean by input? Do you get them to read the story, for instance, when you're happy with it? And do they give you feedback? How does it work, your writing life with your family? We definitely kept the first book to ourselves until it was completely finished. And then we read it to the kids. And so far, they haven't heard the second story either. It was actually a pretty special event where when the ebook was ready, we didn't have a print copy yet. We all gathered around in the office. All the kids were around the computer and we sat down and we read the story to them. And actually, every single child, we used their name for one of the characters in the story. So they all hear it together. <laughs> Very sweet, isn't it? Yeah. Way of doing it. In this new book or in the first one, what real issues, if any, do you have in your book? We have little messages of perseverance and not being afraid to ask for help. When fear, faced with difficult times, Zorro definitely faces some challenging situations, trying to find shelter and warmth and food. And he encounters a lot of different animals that offer him kindness. And I think those are the basic messages, the persevering and kindness. 
I have some of those in my stories as well. Was there a children's book that had a huge impact? Yes, there's one book that I can remember from kindergarten. I must have been five or six. And it's it's called Frederick. And it's by Leo Leone, I think is his name. I think it was originally published in 1967. It's a very old book and it's still around to this day. It's one of the best sellers of a classic children's book. And it's about a family of field mice. And during the summer, they spend they all spend time collecting different things for the fall, different foods, so that they can survive when the winter comes. And one of the mice, and his name is Frederick, he's just sitting and he's not helping. And then come winter, every mouse has collected something and is bringing that to the family so that they can eat and survive. And Frederick, everyone comes to learn that he was collecting colors or sunlight. And he then conveyed that to the family and entertained them with happy thoughts. And I loved it so much. And I can't remember why when I was so small that I loved it so much. Um, but I actually very recently ran into this book at Barnes & Noble a few months ago. Just in the children's book sections, I was looking through different books and I pull it out and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I haven't seen this book in over 30 years. <laughs> and it, it was just so wonderful to see it. And I sat down right away and I read the book and just brought me right back to, to kindergarten. I grew up in Germany, so I read this book in German back in the day. And it just, I think that picture books touch such an interesting time of your life where you're making all these connections in your brain between what you're seeing and what you're hearing and you're learning to understand things and imagine things and it's just such a magical time and I think that's why I'm so drawn to picture books. Yeah and that one has a message that is what we kind of as authors aspire to do a little bit isn't it to bring sunshine or a, yes. a smile to a child's face. While we are on that subject, do you have a children's author that you admire very much? I, I'm i a big fan of, I would have to look up her name, the Little Blue Truck book series. I don't know if, if you're familiar with that in the UK. Alice Shirtle is her name, and she she uses rhymes in her books, and they're so sweet, and they're very much directed at toddlers. And I think I've always been really fascinated by people who can so easily create really beautiful rhymes. That is something I would love to learn. But the way her stories flow and the little rhymes, and they're all about farm animals, it's just so wonderful. Wow, we have something in common. My favorite children's book author, which is Julia Donaldson, and she has the same ease of transforming anything into a rhyme. She was a songwriter. She oh. used to busk and yeah, she's superb. And I actually did a course with her and, and her advice is like, if you can't get it right, just don't do it. But, oh, yeah, and the simplicity, because it's, I think the real secret of it is to try and be real simple. Yeah, 
aspire, yes, for something like that for sure. And I am going to do more work, maybe even invite her on this podcast. Yeah. For her to come and give us tips. Yeah. So what what about influence? Is there someone's writing that inspires you? Honestly, most of the reading I do is nonfiction. Okay. Self-development and awareness, that kind of reading. I don't read very much of what I actually write. <laughs> okay. And what are you reading at the moment that has been helpful? I think it's called The Magic of Manifesting is what I'm currently reading which is not related to children's books at all. But I will steal a lot of my son's books that are middle grade books, especially the Percy Jackson series. He loves that book series a lot. He's read it maybe four times, all of them. Wow. And the way that author writes is so descriptive and so detailed. That is something that I'm still learning. And maybe for picture books, that isn't exactly something I need, but it's my dream to someday write um, a middle grade book. Uh -huh. And I'm trying to learn from the pros. <laughs> Absolutely. I have the same wish. It's so uh, uncanny, isn't it? I think maybe everybody does that. I I've recently fallen in love with a children's book author. Her name is Karen Inglis, and she wrote a book called The Secret Lake. And there is a time travel element in it. And it's so beautifully crafted, so simple that I've fallen in love with it. One of the things about the book is she mentions a, a place, I think it's Richmond Park in England, which I actually went to visit not so long ago, Isabella Plantation, where oh. there is a, a lake and these flowers bloom in May and all around the lake, it's pink and crimson. Nice. And she set the book in there. And I thought, I grew up in Africa. Maybe I can do the same with an African story, you know. Yes. Because it also gives you a sense about the place where you live, your home is special when we should cherish it, but we normally take it for granted. So yeah, me too. I aspire to do that next. And I thought it would be nice because the children we're writing for now will be that age in a yeah. few years so we could continue to accompany them now say if your stories were made into a movie who would you pick to be the voice of your main character since he is a dog it would have to be probably a child okay yeah i don't know and any children actors come to mind not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Did you ever um, get some surprising feedback from a child? Not so far. We, we haven't heard very much yet from children because this book has only been published for about a month. But we did get one little video from a friend that we're reading the book. And there's one part where Zoro the dog realizes that he's locked out and he tries to get in the house. He jumps up and looks in the window and he scratches at the door, but no one answers. And so the kids were asking, why did he not bark? Why did the parents not hear him barking? And the funny fact about our dog Zoro is he doesn't bark 
when he's in trouble. He only barks when someone rings the doorbell or someone knocks at the door. He will bark. But otherwise, he's a very quiet dog. (laughs) So we didn't even think about writing that he barked in the story. And so nobody else knows that about him. That was kind of a funny piece of feedback. They they asked the question, why did he not bark? (laughs) Yeah, they're very observant, isn't it? Yes. Absolutely. Is there anything that you would like to be asked as a children's book author that you want your followers, the people that appreciate your work to know about you? Wow, that's a great question. I'm sure there are many things. We didn't go through you growing up, did we? Maybe tell me more about when you were little and when you were growing up. Yeah, so I grew up in Germany in a small town, definitely a very small town. And I moved to the States when I was 17. So growing up in Germany, I had four siblings. Both my parents were working and I was the oldest girl. My my brother is older than me. He's the oldest. And then I'm the second in line, but I'm the oldest girl. And so I, I was like everyone's second mom because my sisters are all younger. And I would come home from school and cook lunch for everybody, for the whole family, because my parents are working. So I kind of already grew up being a mom <laughs> to my siblings. And I think that made me grow up really fast and not have a very childish childhood. And now that I'm in my very late 30s, (laughs) I'm I'm having to learn to not be so serious, not take life so serious and, and not have everything go. Everything has to be a certain way. And my partner, my fiance, he helps me a lot with this. He's a very live in the moment and enjoy what's happening right now kind of person. And until I met him, I didn't even know that living in the moment exists. You know, I always had goals and dreams and you're constantly trying to strive for something and achieve something. And it's like you're living in the future. You're constantly looking to the future, looking to achieve what you're working towards. And so now in my life, I'm really trying to slow down And focus on the now, focus on what's happening in my life that is amazing today. And I think the way I was brought up so fast and having to take care of others all the time has really hindered me learning this concept. That's wonderful. Yeah, there there is no time like the present, isn't it? And it takes so long for us to learn that. I wanted to ask you about, I find it very interesting because I think my sister has a similar Although I also had to grow up quickly because we left Africa and all of a sudden it's just us with a lot of strangers taking care of us. But my sister took that role on of taking care of us. Do you look upon it as a burden? Was it a burden to have to be a mom while you were so young? Not at all. No? No. It was just the life I had and I didn't know anything different. Yeah. And you enjoyed it? I did. Yeah, I think my sister did too. She, to this day, she's still very motherly oriented. (laughs) Now she's a grandmother. She's melting away with my grandniece. That's wonderful. Yeah, very cute. Yeah. What did you study then? In college? Respiratory therapy. So I have the an associate's degree of science in respiratory therapy. 
And when I went through my writing classes in college, I really enjoyed those. And I still realized how much I love writing, how much it, it flows for me. But still, it, I didn't connect at that time. That's something I would ever pursue. So was, was that like a, a family thing of expectations that you have to have a certain type of job so that you're successful? And was that difficult then? Yeah, from a very young age, um, my parents would tell us, you should be a pharmacist. You should be this. You should be that. And um, it's definitely a cultural thing. But yeah, writing was never um, a feasible option. Me a little bit more about, because I have the same, except that when I moved from Africa to Europe, I was uh, 10 or 11. So you were much older. How was it, that transition for you? I got married at 17. So very young. And that was, it was a big change to come from small town Germany to Portland, Oregon. <laughs> but I really did the best in integrating myself into the culture I moved into, which was a Russian community. And I gained a whole new family by getting married. And my husband at the time had six siblings. So it was a really big family. And that aspect was great. I had a family who supported me. It took a little while for me to, even though I learned English in school and Germany, it took a little while for me to really <laughs> understand the American accent and I'd be able to keep up. But it was a very big change. But I think I did really well getting into it. So no major traumas with this change of environment and culture? Not really, yeah. I really enjoyed the move. Wonderful. It is a plus. And did you think more about the previous questions? One was about... There was one, if I could, if I could tell listeners or followers more about me. I definitely want to tell people that it's never too late to do what you love. And I got into writing in my 30s. And I, I think when I first got started, I read an article about some author lady who got really famous and she started writing in her 40s. And I said to myself, wow, if she can do it, maybe I can do it. So yeah, anybody can start to follow their dreams at any age. Sure. In so far as publishing, I beat you to, to it myself, yeah. over 50. Huh. And I think, is it the author that wrote, I don't know if you saw the series True Blood. It's about vampires. I love vampires. I, I think she started writing in her 60s. And I've always written, but insofar as actually I'm going to publish these books, because before I trained as a filmmaker first, and I used to work in film, and I used to exhibit, have photography exhibitions, and I did apply for many arts council projects and for books and writing. But because I never got funded, I never really thought seriously about doing it and self-publishing and learning about self-publishing and how kind the community is, you know, and so forthcoming with information and help that I thought, oh, okay, let's try that now. So, yes, and I have two other questions, which is, one is, if you could have a magical power, 
or be a mystical creature, which one would you be and why? <laughs> My son asks me this all the time. Really? Uh, yes. Sometimes he'll say, if you have one non-superhero power, something very ordinary, almost like a boring superpower, what would it be? And every, every time he asks me, it's a different scenario. So I've had to think about this a lot. Gosh, but it's every time it's a different, it's so different. So let me think for a second. I've always thought being invisible would be really great, but I think maybe super speed would be better. So you can run really fast and be in Europe in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so do you miss things about Germany? And, and yeah. being in Europe, what do you miss the most? Yeah, what do I miss the most? I don't know. Just the feeling in Europe is so different. Everything is, is so much older. There's so much history there. Just last summer, my family and I took a trip to Greece, Germany, and Austria. And we had the best time ever. My fiancé's kids, my stepdaughters, they've never been to Europe. And it, it was just wonderful seeing Greece and its beauty and the oceans was amazing. And then Germany, there are so many just old places, cobblestones and old, big, beautiful churches. And it's just the feeling I get when I'm there. It, it, I can't describe it. it. The States don't feel that way. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. Plus that I really think that there is always a connection between a person and the place where they were born. Like I've lived in Ireland for so long now, 33 years or something. If anybody was to ask me, what am I? I would say Irish. But there, there is some magic about growing up in Africa that I will never forget. So yeah, you're always connected to places, I think. I have big connections with Germany. Yeah, about 30 years ago, it was a, a German girl that got lost in Tibet that kind of saved my life. And now I, I have a I have two Kung Fu teachers, but one of them is German and he's based in Germany from the Shaolin Temple Europe. Shi Hongyi is his name. And it's wonderful. Yeah, he's an amazing person uh, for sure. And I think he's actually of Vietnamese descent. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, he's a great martial artist. And you will be coming this way to visit again, one would suspect. Yes, we try to go to Germany once a year. This year didn't work out, but next year, definitely. Okay, if you're popping over to Ireland, you can always <laughs> come and visit. And now a little thing that I shamelessly stole from another podcast, which I thought yeah. was a great idea, was that the previous guest leaves a question for the next guest. It's a surprise. So the previous guest, the question they left for you was, did you ever put yourself into a story? And if so, what is the story about? And how did you put yourself into the story? I think I got it right. We, we will... Uh, get comments, I'm sure, on that, <laughs> if I got it wrong. I, I have not put myself into a story yet, but my dreams for my future middle grade book will definitely have 
some kind of a small character, maybe an aunt or someone that will be me. <laughs> That's always been in the back of my mind. Like, where can I put myself in where it's just a little bit? I don't want to be a main character or anybody significant. Just someone little who's there who offers a little bit of wisdom in the story. That's a dream of mine. <laughs> okay, that is wonderful. I have to thank you for coming. You're the second guest on the Little Pages League. We are just starting off and I'm hoping we can build a community of children's book authors that can gather somehow to help each other and just having chats and getting to know each other better. So thank you for coming. I wish you all the best with your second book. We'll keep an eye out. Oh, yeah, sorry. Where can people find you? I will push the links, but where can people reach you? We are on Amazon all over the world and then also um, on Burns and Noble. And do you have a website? We do. Um, it's ZorroTheBostonTerrier.com. ZorroTheBostonTerrier.com. And you have all the links, I assume, from your website into all the social media for people to follow you. Yes. Oh, there was something else. There was, if you were asked, do you have a question that you would like to be asked? Did we do that one? No, not sure. When you are invited to a podcast or to having a chat with someone, is there a question that you always think or expect to be asked oh. that someone didn't? Because we can fulfill your wishes here. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I, I was definitely expecting to be asked what you asked me, like the, what is your inspiration? What made you want to become an author? So that's the, the classic um, questions that, that I was expecting. I don't think I had any expectations that weren't fulfilled. <laughs> that is also very good, you know, in life. Yeah. To walk about with no expectations. So that there is less disappointment. Okay, Zoro the Boston Terrier.com. And once again, thank you very much for showing up. And I'm sure we will be in touch. We'll we'll keep an eye definitely for the end of the year, which is Christmas. It's a good time to have a book out, is it? It it would be great if it worked out. We'll see. Yes. Wish you all the best with it. And I shall talk to you later. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. No bother. Did you know that only 24% of people subscribe to the podcasts they listen to? Hit the bell icon to stay updated. And if you love the content, let others discover the podcast by leaving a review. Your support is crucial and very much appreciated. Thank you for listening.